G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au At the heart of it, abusers have an abandonment complex. It's why they're so emotionally needy and need so much control. But there is no amount of control that is ever enough. And what they end up doing is ultimately trying to destroy their partners. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith. Last time on the program, we heard Zena Skembri's story of the nightmare she went through being in a relationship with a controlling, manipulative, and abusive person. Zena has written about her experiences in her book, Broken to be Beautiful, The Forging of a Warrior. Dr. Dina McMillan is a social psychologist and the creator of the Unmasking the Abuser Domestic Abuse and Violence Prevention Program. She wrote the foreword to Zena's book and is all too familiar with her story and the story of countless others who have been victims of domestic abuse. With Zena's permission, we're going to do something a little different today. Dr. Dina will help us to go over Zena's story and will provide insights into what happened and how it can be prevented. Dr. Dina's own book is called, But He Says He Loves Me, How to Avoid Being Trapped in a Manipulative Relationship. Dr. Dina, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me on. Glad to have you with us. And you know Zena, and you wrote her forward to her book. We're going to find out some of your insights into her story. But first, let's find out a little bit about you and your background. You're from the United States? Yes, I, I'm from California, and I've lived for quite a while here in Australia. I live outside Melbourne now. And what brought you to Australia? I was looking for opportunity, and I had a chance to come to Australia, and I came here and loved it and decided to stay. Yes, well, that's my story as well. So we have something in common there. (laughs) And how did you become passionate about this topic of domestic abuse and violence? Well, it's interesting because as a social psychologist, one of my specialties is relationships, intimate relationships, interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. I did not specialize in graduate school in domestic abuse. However, a close friend of my daughter's best friend had a really bad abuse situation and asked if I could help since I did know about relationships since I was a social psychologist she asked if I could help and I did what I could but I realized I needed more information so I actually went back and got additional training specifically in domestic abuse and violence Okay, and before we get started with Zena's story, let's find out a little bit about what you did to find out more information about abusers. Well, in my work, I had interviewed, gosh, by the time I wrote my my program, Unmasking the Abuser, I had interviewed in-depth more than 2,500 victims and survivors of abuse and more than 630 abusers in separate interviews that were completely confidential. And did you see some similarities in these abusers and their tactics? 
what stunned me was not two things. First of all, that they were very similar to each other, regardless of the nationality, their religion, their socioeconomic standing, and also that there were just a few tactics that they all used. There was a discrete set of tactics used by them all. Hmm. So it's the similarities that are pretty surprising, no matter where you are in the world. No matter where you are in the world. And it's interesting because the working title for Buddy Says He Loves Me, when I was working on it, mm -hmm. I actually quoted someone I worked with. We had come back from a survivor's meeting, and she had looked at what the women were saying. The women were very different from each other, as were their former partners. And she said, these guys, it doesn't matter what they look like, they all do the same things. It's like they all read the same handbook. Huh. So I initially called my book the Abuser's Handbook, but the publisher, Alan and Unwin, decided not to be yeah, that, so that, explicit. That might, yeah, that might be misinterpreted. <laughs> so they called it, but he says he loves me. But mm. she was absolutely right. It's, if you work with abusers and or work with victims and survivors, you keep hearing the same story over and over and over mm. again. Okay, well, let's go to Zena's story. Would you say it fits in this pattern that we're talking about? Very much so. Very much so. Unfortunately, yes. Mm. Well, one of the things, when you're first with an abuser, often if he's trying to lure you in, he wants to convince you that you have the same beliefs, that you have the same vision for what you want for your lives, and that your best chance of having the life you want is with him. Mm-hmm. And her abusive ex did exactly that. He knew she was a person of faith, and mm -hmm. so he professed to be a person of faith as well. Mm -hmm. He would go to church with her, but there didn't seem to be anything Christian about the way he behaved other than when he was sitting on a pew on Sunday morning. Yeah, definitely a cautionary tale for a lot of people that, well, it's the proverbial wolf in sheep's clothing, and something Absolutely. to look out for. Let's go back to Zena's um, early years, and that played a role in her whole story. Is that right? Well, I know that people think, uh, I must say this, can I say this? Mm -hmm. Often people think that the vulnerability that Zena had because she had been abandoned by her, her biological father, mm -hmm. she had been sexually abused, at 13 years old, so mm -hmm. just coming into adulthood, um, that made her extremely vulnerable. And often people think those are the only types of women who get involved in abusive relationships. And I'm here to tell you, I've met just as many women who came from healthy, happy backgrounds who didn't believe what they were seeing and experiencing when the abuser came in and started to play his tricks on them. Mm -hmm. So while her story's common, it's not the only way to get involved with one of these guys. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that we're going to hear is that the abuser likes to be able to manipulate and coerce and control. So having somebody with a low self-image who's easily compliant, that's just what they're looking for. Is that right? It is, but what they also do, a lot of the moves they make at the early stages, I call it testing and training, because mm -hmm. they will push boundaries or say things or make demands from the very, very start, and all of it's designed 
to lower the target's self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So even if she started off as a very confident person, she soon starts questioning herself, am I really attractive? Mm -hmm. Am I really worthy of being loved? Are my beliefs strong enough? You know, so on and so yeah. on and so yeah. on. The word that keeps coming to my mind, which I've told you before, is insidious. Mm. And I looked it up in the dictionary. The definition of insidious is proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with very harmful effects. And that's basically the abuser's tactics. Just gradually, gradually, slowly, slowly eating their way at the person's confidence. Uh, th there's so much I could say about that. But let's get back to Zena's story. She meets her abuser, her first husband, through a friend from church. And then she said that it was like too good to be true. It was a charm offensive. She used the term love bombing. Tell us about that. Well, love bombing is a very common way to lure someone in, but it requires effort on the part of the love bomber. Hmm. What they have to do is they actually have to pay attention to the other person. They have to listen and ask questions, and they have to remember the information. And then they combine all of that to customize what they say to the person, the compliments they make, the gifts, perhaps, that they give, mm. the, even the criticisms that they make. They base it all on the points that will resonate most strongly with the other party, with their mm. target. Mm. But in order to do it, when the person walks in, they have to be like Sherlock Holmes, you know. How does she really want to see herself? When I compliment her about this or say that, do her, her eyes light up or not? Mm. Does she look wary when I do this? Am I moving too fast? Mm. So they have to really pay attention when they first get to know someone. And here is where women are especially vulnerable. One of the things you often hear women complain about when they go out with a guy is the guy will talk about himself and won't really ask many questions about her, won't mm -hmm. seem very interested in her. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, you get an abuser at that early stage. He knows he needs to get information he's going to have to use for the rest of the relationship in order to be able to effectively manipulate the target who then becomes his victim. Oh, so when he asks a question, he's going to make sure, just like a sports statistic, he's going to make sure he remembers the answer. So he's paying attention, which the uh, girlfriend is thinking, oh, this is fantastic. This guy likes me. He's l actually listening to me. But he's, he's doing it because he wants to use this information later to better control her. Absolutely. And, oh. and it's, it, isn't that terrible? Yeah. But yeah. I also Insidious. talk about, when, when I talk about it in my, in my podcast series and in my s seminars and workshops, mm -hmm. I make sure to do some role play so that women can tell the difference between a guy who's just pretending like these abusers and somebody who really is interested. Mm -hmm. yeah. Somebody yeah. who really is their Prince Charming. You need to know the difference, and I, I don't want everyone to be so cynical that anyone who's nice to them they become wary of. That's not true. Our guest today is social psychologist Dr. Dina McMillan, who wrote the forward to our guest last time's book, Zena Skimbri. 
As we heard, Zena experienced domestic abuse and violence in a highly dysfunctional relationship. Today, her friend Dr. Dina is providing insights into the nature of these relationships and how they best can be avoided. We'll have more when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guest last time was Zena Skembri, who shared her story of domestic abuse and violence. Today, our guest is her friend, Dr. Dina McMillan. She's the creator of the Unmasking the Abuser Domestic Abuse and Violence Prevention Program. She's also the author of the book, But He Says He Loves Me, How to Avoid Being Trapped in a Manipulative Relationship. She's providing insights into stories like Zena's and letting us know what to look out for. He's also going to move too fast. Mm. So if a guy really likes you and you go out with him, He'll talk about himself, he'll ask about you, it'll be nice exchange, and this is how an abuser will, will differ. When you're going out and he's asking questions, paying attention, looking at how you're dressed so he can know what your values are, then he's going to start trying to get you to talk about what you want and what you want for the future and say, oh my goodness, you're saving to go to Paris? That's so funny. My company is sending me there in six weeks. Do you want to come along? Hmm. So they immediately start getting you thinking about a future with them. They'll, they'll joke, oh, hey, Joe, meet my future wife, Cindy. Oh. So a guy that really likes you is going to be a little too nervous to hmm. make those kind of presumptions, but an abuser won't. He knows that... Women are worried that it's it's a one-off, that it's a one-time date, and then mm-hmm. he's going to go and be on his merry way. Mm-hmm. So he does everything he can to get her thinking about a future with him, knowing that she's going to be reassured. He's not just thinking of this as something he's going to do once and then go on with his life. He's actually thinking about the fact that I might be a good partner for him. This is great. Oh, so uh, you call this the fairy tale lure? The fairy tale lure, yes. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of luring her in with the very thing that she most, well, most young ladies are wanting a partner for a lifetime. So he's using that to bring down her defenses and kind of reel her in. Well, the, the fact is, with the the love bombing and with the fairy tale lure, the abuser has an advantage because of the contrast with Joe Average. Oh, right. So he's a dream come true compared to Joe Average. Joe Average is going to just talk about himself. Joe Average is going to be very um, averse to any kind of commitment. Mm. Well, maybe I want to get married, maybe not. You know, maybe I want to do this, maybe not. 
abusers are very sure that they want to have a commitment. You know, I'm looking for the right person. I want someone to marry and to have children. I'm looking to build a life together. And women are thinking, oh, wow, finally I got some guy that's not just looking to date until he's 60, you mm. know? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I have to work so hard to show the difference between a guy who really is a good guy Mm-hmm. when you're going out with him, who wants a commitment, and a guy who's an abuser, he's using the sparkle and the promise in order to get you to turn off your brain and, and give him control that, mm. that he's never going to give you back. But there is that insidious uh, other side that he will sometimes say negative things Yes. to make you insecure. It, is that the whole idea? Yes, and in fact, there are a group of men, and it it was popular around, I don't know, eight to ten years ago, not so much now, guys called the pickup artists, and it was a whole range of, of men, and a book called The Game, and it was all designed to teach average Joe how to become a sexual predator, hmm. how to talk women into having some me- means of, or some level of sexual contact with them. They weren't necessarily looking for a relationship, but they were using psychological tricks to get attractive women to have sexual contact with them. Mm. And one of the things they used was called negging. And that is they would kind of insult someone or make give them a compliment that's not really a compliment, like saying, Oh, I really like that dress you have on. My mom has one just like it. So um, that kind of thing. When you're with somebody that you want to like you, and they either make fun of you or give you that offhand compliment, oh, didn't I see that on some weird show two years ago or something? Something to make you feel self-conscious. So then... You'll try to get in their good books again. Hmm. It puts you on the back foot. Yeah, so on the one hand, they're complimenting you and making you feel 10 feet tall, but then they're kind of getting these subtle digs in to make you insecure. Is that right? Absolutely. So it's a back and forth and back and Hmm. forth, and intensity is appealing. One thing that will build a bond faster than anything else is intensity. Hmm. So one of the things about going out with an abuser, it is not boring. So he's either making you mm. feel like the most special woman ever, or he's making you feel like you're, you're dirt on his shoe. Mm. And he'll go back and forth and back and forth. Well, unfortunately, the time is just flying by here. But what is his end game? What is he trying to do? Where is he going with all this? Complete and utter control over your life. Mm. At the heart of it, abusers have... An abandonment complex. Is that right? It's why they're so emotionally needy and need mm. so much control. But there is no amount of control that is ever enough. Mm. And what they end up doing is ultimately trying to destroy their partners. Wow. I mean, we heard some horrific things of how Zena's abuser, her first husband, treated her. And, and mm-hmm. that's the whole idea is just to be demeaning and controlled. And that supply some kind of a twisted need, a kind of a sick need in his life? Yes, and also he took advantage of the fact that as a woman of faith, 
when she married him, she took her marriage vows very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he would have pushed her so far had she been a regular secular woman who, as soon as it got tough, said, no, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. He took advantage of the fact that her marriage vows really counted mm, to yeah. really push the envelope. And, and nothing ever satisfied him for long. And that's also very common. It doesn't matter. You, you know, people have said, well, if I, if I just do things the way he wants, then everything will be okay. But when you're with someone who's never satisfied, no matter how far you go, they are always moving the goalposts. Mm. Like Zena's situation, that's that's more common than not. Hmm. It's always the abuser wants more and more and more, so you're never going to satisfy his never. needs. Never. Never. Mm-hmm. And, and you lose more and more of your soul trying to please this person who's going to push you so far away from who you are as a person and really push you away from your face. There's so many parallels between this relationship and a cult. Yes. That I mean, at the end, Zena had no money of her own. She had no opinion of her own. She didn't know what she thought about this because she was told what to think. And uh, finally, as we heard, she finds a voice through her faith in God. She is able to stand up to him and say, no, this isn't right. Yes. How does an abuser react to that type of thing? Well, she, she was lucky she wasn't hurt or killed. Oh, is that because right? Because when you read a lot of these stories especially um, as someone as psychopathic as Zena's first husband, she was really at risk of, and the way he would also control her by telling her of his fantasies of, of murdering her or, you know, stabbing her or making her bleed. Oh, wow. He was really sick. She was really at risk, and that also was a control mechanism mm. because he would say, oh, I was just kidding. But he was letting her know that he was actually very dangerous. Mm. So she is quite fortunate, and thank God that she got out of that marriage, because Mm. that man was very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but you're sharing with us so many insights here. Let's just end with, what do you think is some of the most important things that you want our audience to know about this topic? Well, I want your audience to know that This can happen to anyone. Anyone can end up with an abusive partner. Mm. So you have to be very careful Mm -hmm. because often these abusers are very good at pretending, for instance, to be people of faith. Mm -hmm. And I've met so many women who went for a very long time not recognizing how abusive their husband was because they met him in church. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, wait a minute, he's, he's a deacon at our church, he's very involved in the church, the other people at the church really like him, because he had that, of course, that false face, that mm-hmm. mask mm-hmm. that he would show to other people. You have to trust your own instincts, you have to go slowly and carefully, you have to, if you feel uncomfortable, you always need to have someone you can talk to, and if your partner does not allow you to talk to someone else, that in in itself is a huge warning sign. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned that Zena's first husband would quote scripture to her to justify some of his abuse. Absolutely. They would misuse the holy book in order to justify her submitting to 
behavior that God never intended. Mm -hmm. Let's end with a story that happened to you, which I think is an early red flag and very important to know, is that the abuser doesn't want you to make your own decisions and and be free to make choices. Now, you had a situation early on where you were uh, at a restaurant, and well, tell us what happened. Well, I would say for everyone listening to this, one of the biggest and easiest tests of a potential abuser is to watch how they respond to the word no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they ask you if you'd like something, if you want to do something, if you want to sit a certain place or go to a certain restaurant, and you say no... How do they respond? Often if they're an abuser, their eyes will flash, even if they try to calm themselves down and pretend it's okay. Mm-hmm. In my case, uh, the person I was having dinner with asked me if I wanted some wine with our meal. And I don't drink much anyway, but I certainly don't drink alcohol the first time I'm getting to know someone. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, thank you. And then he excused himself and said he was going to the men's room and came back with a bottle of wine and two glasses. And I reminded him that I said I didn't want any alcohol. And he said, oh, don't worry, wine's not alcohol. And he opened the wine bottle and poured wine for both of us, hoping I'd be too polite to not drink it. But of course, me being me, of course (laughs) I didn't drink it. And I also knew from that moment to be very much on my guard because a man who won't take no for an answer when you're in a restaurant mm-hmm. would be very dangerous in a situation where you're with him by yourself. So that is a very, very good story that illustrates if you're not comfortable saying no in a relationship, that's a red flag. That's, that's not good. And it starts early because abusers are enraged if they don't have complete control Mm -hmm. over their target who becomes their partner. And at first, they'll try to hide it. So look at their eyes when you tell them no. See if they actually get angry and then try to calm themselves. Mm -hmm. Or if they just ignore what you said and do like the guy I went out with did. And he was kind of testing you, in a sense, to see whether you were an easy pushover. Absolutely. They're always Mm -hmm. testing you. The first stages of dating an abuser... I call, as I mentioned, call it testing and training. They're constantly testing you to see if they push you beyond the boundaries of where you're comfortable, Mm -hmm. if you're going to let them get away with it. Well, unfortunately, there's just so much more. We're just scratching the surface. But thank you so much, Dr. Dina, for sharing all these insights with us today. Thank you for having me on. Our guest today has been social psychologist, Dr. Dina McMillan. She's the author of the book, But He Says He Loves Me, How to Avoid Being Trapped in a Manipulative Relationship. We started off with Dr. Dina giving us insights into our last guest story, Zena Skembri, but we ended up talking in general about other people's stories of domestic abuse and violence. To learn more about this topic, you can listen to Dr. Dina's podcast called Unmasking the Abuser. It's available on iTunes or Spotify or any number of places where podcasts are available. Once again, the podcast is called Unmasking the Abuser by Dr. Dina McMillan. Finally, if you're listening today and can relate to anything you've heard and you need help right now, you can call Lifeline's crisis support number 24 hours a day at 13 11 14. 
That's 13 11 14. Well, we'll hear more of Zena Scambri's story and find out how God completely transforms her life. That's all coming up next time. Until then, I'm Eric Scadvo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.